Hi, everyone. Welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional value to your organization, HR works. Old hierarchies and organizational silos are disappearing. Today, work is often done on an ad hoc basis. It's based on collaboration and often accomplished by teams that get formed and then reformed and address changing priorities and needs. However, as many of us have found, forming teams is easy. Forming productive, collaborative teams is hard. Today's guest, CEO of Versus Global, Craig Ross, has invested over 20 years of his career observing and studying what teams do and what they don't do to deliver on their business objectives. His work includes supporting leaders and teams at multinational and Fortune 500 companies, including P&G, Nestle, Cigna, Alcon, and Universal, among others. As part of an expanding team of professional development specialists, consultants, and coaches, Craig has reverse-engineered what successful teams do to achieve big things. It's called the Do Big Things Framework. And it's all detailed in a new book that he's key authored, key, uh, co-authored that's called Do Big Things, The Simple Steps Teams Can Take to Mobilize Hearts and Minds and Make an Epic Impact. He and Do Big Things have been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc. magazines and have been endorsed by Daniel Pink and top business leaders at Nestle, Tillamook, and Cigna. Craig, welcome to HR Works. Steve, thank you. Excited to be with you. So you've observed um, that a lot of teams are performing below their potential. So what are the problems that you see most often? Yeah, Steve, it's it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Because everybody we know, most of the professionals we know, they come to work wanting to do great things, big things. That's who we are as professionals. Increasingly, though, because the way work's getting done, in our complex cross-functional matrix environments is we're seeing teams suffer from DSD. They're distracted, they're hopelessly stressed, and they're disconnected. Um, and if, if those, if, if this DSD is not addressed, you know, quickly, effectively, uh, frankly, we're seeing too many teams flatline, if you will, before they reach the finish line, finish line on those things that are important to the business and important to them personally. So I like that, DSD. That rings a few bells. Um, so let's get introduced to the Do Big Things framework. Can you give us an overview of how it works to help teams produce extraordinary results? You got it. And I believe your audience is going to. It's going to resonate with them because a lot of the HR professionals we work with and support, I mean, you can just see the hearts come alive uh, whenever we cover this Do Big Things framework. For starters, it's a fundamental belief that most organizations, you know, they, they have the ingredients. They have the ingredients for success. You know, clearly organizations have been focusing on great talent, attracting that talent, retaining that talent. They've been focusing on developing their leadership. And regardless of their success in those areas, they have the ingredients they have. More often than not, what they're lacking, what's needed is a recipe, 
a recipe to ensure that 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 talent, that leadership, that it, it can take us to new levels. And what I'm talking about, Steve, here is something really, really critical. We're talking about going beyond what we typically identify as the ingredients or the recipe, if you will, for high-performing teams. Now, be really clear here. We are all after high performance. But, but what we're finding that the workforce is asking for is something more. It's more than just, you know, the typical high-performing team stuff of role clarity, uh, team charter, uh, resource allocation, you know, those things that we learn in tech book, textbooks. It comes down to how we're focusing, how we're energized as human beings and, and the relational energy among team members. And so this Do Big Things framework provides seven steps based upon our 20 years of experience and the research that we can find out there that allows leaders at any level to create the dynamics necessary to mobilize hearts and minds and do big things. All right, this is going to be great to uh, dig into this a little. You've, you've said that you see three types of barriers to team productivity. And uh, I also understand you have three steps that teams can take um, to break through those barriers. So could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you got it. And again, you know, one of the things that's really important is I share a quick story here that these barriers, they're showing up everywhere. If we don't have barriers that we're addressing, then we're not growing. We're not advancing. This is our work as professionals. And again, the HR audience that you have, they truly get this. And so barriers will look different. They'll, they'll present themselves differently often. However, what we've found is that when we equip teams, leaders on those teams to break those barriers down, the team can more quickly, more effectively do big things. Going to share a statement with you. Just heard this. Uh, I, I hear variations of this wherever we go. Here's the statement. We've heard people use this, maybe this as an excuse. Here's the quote. Because there are too many competing priorities pulling on the same resources, we can't execute our plan effectively. What we found is that there's really three barriers here, and likely your audience is picking up on this already. They can see the three barriers. One is a real barrier. The company doesn't have the resources to do everything people want to do. That's a fact. But there's also a perceived barrier. The real barrier is, isn't necessarily mean that we can't execute it effectively. We can't execute our plan there's a perception there as people are responding to that real barrier. And then the third one is where teams really start to gel in terms of the breakthrough thinking required. And that's understanding that there's a symptomatic barrier. In this case, competing priorities is a symptom that hides the real barrier. Something is occurring within the larger system of the culture that's causing unproductive thinking and barriers. And so one of the things that we found is so useful for teams is, is doing what those HR professionals want to do, and that's allow enable teams to have the discussions about the barriers they're facing in real and authentic ways so they can move through them. Oh, this is helpful. So um, I know you have two tools that you share that help teams focus on uh, what matters and um, helps them drive productivity and create healthier work environments. I think... One is called the three mind factors, and the other is the energy map. Could you describe those two? Yeah, you got it. Um, these are really fundamental because if, if you, if any of us, are going to influence or even change the thinking and actions of others, we must understand how the mind focuses. I mean, that's just fundamental. 
And so what we found based upon the research of, of uh, you know, the greats, we're talking about, uh, I'm a big fan of Daniel Goleman, Daniel Kahneman, but quite frankly, you can find threads of this thinking going back to our, our greatest philosophers. And what we've done then, we've broken it down and said, if you could simplify this, what must we understand? And we call these the three mind factors. Number one is the mind can only focus on one thought at a time. Now, it's, it's, it's really interesting. We often hear, I don't know, Steve, in your experience, but we often hear leaders say, I can't get my team to focus, or even I can't get my kids or my family to focus. Well, the reality of the situation is, is the, the brain is, is doing something extraordinarily well. It's moving from point focus of, to another point quite well. And what we need to do as leaders is understand how to harness that focus. And that, that is mind factor number two, is understanding that the mind cannot avoid a don't. And we see a lot of leaders with the best of intentions, regardless of the levels in the organization, attempt to lead by emphasizing what they don't want to see happen within the you know project, within a plan, instead of really emphasizing and creating ownership for what must happen and why. The third mind factor then is that the mind goes towards its focus. And, and one of the most powerful things anyone can do within their team is to understand, are we truly focused on what matters most? The cause variables versus the effect variables. So that's the three mind factors. Once we understand those three mind factors, you really can begin to shape a, a shared and energized reality. As my co-author Angie Piccioni often says, purpose and passion are useless unless there is a process or a method to focus that energy forward. And so the energy map is a way that teams can create a common language so they can share their truth about the challenges they're facing in a safe way. So there's psychological safety so that they can ultimately focus forward. All right. So this is uh, starting to come together now. I'm, I'm wondering about just the internal management of teams. Do you uh, have tips for does a team have to have a leader or is there a way teams make decisions, uh, that kind of thing? What, what best practices do you recommend? Uh, Steve, you need to go into organizational consulting work because that's the question of our time uh, as it relates to what organizations are facing everywhere. Um, it, it's it's, a, it's a, a bit of a complex answer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right to what I, we believe is, is the point of the matter. Leadership matters, but only teams deliver. And, and it's time for us to rethink how we think about teams and, and the leadership of those teams. The truth of the matter is, is we all used to be on one team. Uh, we, we knew each other. We often worked together. We knew each other's birthdays. We knew each other's work anniversaries. We socialized together. Oh, and by the way, our boss, it was his job to lead us. Today, today we're on eight to 10 different teams. We, we don't see each other on a regular basis. And our boss, our boss is even busier than we are. They are now they are now responsible for day-to-day -day activities. Their role is simply to go first among peers, as they say. And so your question is really, really critical. And, and that's why these practices, we emphasize ensuring that the team has a common language and the team is equipped so that we can actually become more effective uh, at be, being the best version or best expression of ourselves. I, 
again, complex answer. You're, you're, you're pointing at something that's really critical in organizations today. All right, good. Thank you. Now, you mentioned the, uh, the boss of the team or whoever the team reports to. What about suggestions for that person? How, how closely should they be involved in the team activities and how, how should they assess how well the team is doing? Yeah, Steve, you're going to another level because um, the answer is actually situational. And this is what we're seeing those, again, I'll, I'll use your audience in, in, in mind. I was just at the organization in Germany last week, and the HR professionals there truly understood the answer that we're providing. And, and that is, it's situational based on what does the business need the leader of that team to do? Because that determines the level of involvement that the leader must, um, must respond to. And, and we're talking about a specific type of involvement. In our book, it's the first step in the Do Big Things framework. We call it commit to the human imperative because we're seeing organizations focus on the capability of their team. So that means they've got top talent that's aligned. They're doing all those high-performing things, those high-performing team actions, and yet their hearts aren't in it. We're seeing teams that have these top talents. They have high capability, but they're literally flatlining, and, and, they're, and organizations are losing top talent. Well, when a leader at any level understands this and, and they understand that they can energize their team around a shared reality and ensure that team members have their whole heart in it by tapping into things like purpose, uh, aligning on vision and, and so forth, wow, you're going to see different outcomes in teams like that. And so a little bit of a long answer, but it ultimately comes down to what, is, what level of involvement does the business require of the leader? Oh, that's great. So what about um, selecting team members? Is, is that a critical factor? Are there pitfalls there? Any guidelines you can share? Well, you know, that, that's a, a, an important question because, of course, you're talking about attracting talent. And I doubt that there's any HR professional I could speak with that, that would find anything new in my response. So quite frankly, it's going to be a validation. I would, I would encourage HR professionals of today who are understanding trends is really to trust their instincts. You know, in the past, we used to say things such as this, you know, it's culture fit and then it's, it's technical fit. And did we see organizations learn that lesson? We saw some, and of course, they've outperformed their peers when they've hired for culture and then trained for technical. But now we're seeing something even more important. In a discussion with uh, a friend of mine, Jim Kuzes, so the Leadership Challenge, you know, he and I were talking about, and, and these are his words. I want to give credit where credit's due. He said, the leadership skill of the future is empathy. It is just flat-out empathy. And, and if you think about artificial intelligence and where we're going, um, there's just no doubt about it. We, we talk about in our book, empathy is a focus, and it's, it's, it's the ability then for relational energy. So it's that old adage, right? Clichéic to say it, but one and one should not just equal two. It needs to equal five. Uh, and so this, this, is, this is what we're seeing organizations will need to be thinking about and, and uh, screening for as they as they attract and hire their talent. Uh, thank you. So I know that you're also known for your work on leadership development and coaching, uh, and I gather you don't seem to think too much of current approaches. In fact, you've noted that many companies are investing billions of dollars in the standard method for developing leaders and employees. You call it the dirty fish tank training model. Can you elaborate on that for us? 
You got it. And by the way, <laughs> because we're teammates in this effort, Steve, I want to make sure I know how hard HR professionals, organizational development folks are working. We're working hard too. And we're all pointed towards the same thing. And there's a lot of great work being done when it comes to developing leaders. But one of the things that we know is resonating, one of the things we're seeing those organizations, especially again, the ODHR folks and so forth that are succeeding, that we've put a name on, we call it, just as you said, the dirty fish tank training model. I'll set up really quickly with a, with a scenario. Um, imagine that you've got this dirty fish tank in front of you and you can barely see the fish swimming around in it. And then along comes some, some uh, fish tank cleaners. Yeah, they've got that on their uniforms. And they, they take a net and they scoop out the fish and then they put them in this little side dish and they actually bathe the little fish. They take a little scrubber and they scrub the fish and then they put it back in the dirty fish tank. And then you ask these guys, what are you doing? And they say, they look at us like we're weird, right? Well, like we, we, we are, you know, from another planet. They say, well, can't you see we're cleaning the fish tank? This, this idea of removing leaders from the system that they work in. And, and we're talking about the culture. We're talking about the work process. We're talking about the operating system of the company, sending them off to faraway expensive places and training them and then sending them back into the same unaltered system is, is, is costing organizations a lot of money. It's building resentment in those that aren't going. And frankly, we see some organizations where the only benefit is that the leader who was chosen got a chance to build their resume. So they become even more attractive to other organizations. We, we, can, we, need, to, we need to shift this thinking. We're not suggesting that we never pull leaders out of this. So that's not what's being proposed here. But what we're proposing is developing the leader in the context of their team so that we can we can. Ener be energized, more energized from a shared reality so that we have a common language, so that we're building things that everybody knows is important, like trust and collaboration through the process. This is what's truly needed to do big things. Well, that's a very helpful image, I think, and uh, an explanation, too. Now, I'm intrigued. You say that you have one question that dramatically improves cross-functional collaboration. Could you share that question with us? You got it. And I encourage your audience to try this out in their next cross-functional meeting. Um, you know, right before the meeting starts, just, just speak up and say, hey, quick, time out, time out. Before we start here, um, would everyone please grab a sticky note or a piece of paper, whatever. Um, and if you're doing this virtually, they can type it in the chat space. And simply, you know, what is your role? And, and make sure you don't ask more than that. Um, just what's your role? Almost always when we coach leaders to, to ask that question, we hear the typical responses, right? Well, I'm the, uh, I'm the HR guy. Um, well, I'm responsible for IT or, you know, I'm the resource allocation guy or I'm, you know, procurement or whatever. Um, what we're finding that organizations that, so I'm entering this meeting, what that reveals to us is I'm thinking egocentric. I'm thinking about my perspective of reality and what I must get done. The teams, the cross-functional teams that are doing big things, that are achieving quicker and more effectively, are answering that question differently. They're saying, my most important role is to be the best teammate I can be. I'm here to, to contribute my best, to activate the best in others, and then partner with each other so we can, we can deliver our shared objectives. That's a role to be the best teammate we can be. Well, that's a great idea. To sum this all up, uh, Craig, any final recommendations for companies who want their teams to be more effective? Yeah, for, for certain, and, and it's this. I, 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 I want to emphasize that changing behaviors is not an intellectual exercise. 
it, it is truly the business of the heart. And again, your HR audience, they know this. The research is abundantly clear. As human beings, we think, we like to think that we're pretty smart. Yeah, I've, I've got this all figured out. I'm making logical, rational decisions. But the research, again, abundantly clear, we're actually making decisions based on our emotions. And where are those emotions driven? It's our focus and, and the energy we have, especially as we engage with each other. And so if we're going to change behaviors, we, if we're going to change and affect thinking, let's, let's focus on that human component. Because when we do that, our leadership matters, but our teams will gonna, are going to deliver even more effectively. All right, thanks. I, um, I just want to take a second to mention the name of Craig's new book again. It's called Do Big Things, The Simple Steps Teams Can Take to Mobilize Hearts and Minds and Make an Epic Impact. Craig, thanks so much for joining us today and providing uh, all these helpful insights. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure. Listeners, please let me know what HR work should cover next. Bruce at blr.com. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Bruce for HR Works.